It's time for a Swedish Vika with some Swedish fun facts with your host, Pixel Pia. If you have ever been to Sweden and the countryside, you have seen red cottages with white corners and other white trimmings. They are as iconic as fika is in Sweden. Many houses in Sweden are made out of wood and need to be painted. The question is why so many are painted in the color falu rödfärg or falu red. But to tell the story about these red cottages that you can see everywhere in Sweden, we must go back in time to a place called Falun in Dalarna. Hey son, hey, I am Pixel Pia and you are listening to a Swedish fika. Today we are going to talk about the red cottage with the white corners. Or as we say in Swedish, a röd stuga med vita knutar. As I said, they are iconic. But before we talk about the houses and the color itself, we have to go back in time to Falun. Falun is a tiny little dot on the map of Sweden. 223 kilometers or 138.5 miles northwest of Stockholm, not too far from the border with Norway. Falun is the capital of the ancient medieval Swedish kingdom of Dalarna, referred to as the Swedish Dales, thanks to its scenic hills, valleys and beautiful lakes. The town developed around an old copper mine dating from the late 13th century and became the headquarters of the Stora Kopparbergs mining company, probably the oldest industrial corporation in the world, chartered in 1347. Legends has it that in the 8th century, the white goat Kore with its red-stained fur, set the local farmers on the track of the copper sources. At this time, people started to collect and melt bog ore. Later, they built galleries and lit underground fires to separate the ore from the rock. By 1288, according to records from the time, Kopparberget was a profitable industrial site with its own mining company. Nearby, the town of Falun was built, which for a time was the second largest town in Sweden after Stockholm. Many of the wooden houses are built on blocks of copper slag and painted with falu rödfärg, falu red, a color that was extracted from the red oxide of the mine. Kopparberget's continued development and prosperity had a significant influence on Sweden's advancement as a great European power. The collapse of the mine in 1687 brought to an end Kopparberget's time of prosperity. Nevertheless, the mine remained active until 1992 and produced other precious metals such as gold and silver. 
Today, the many manor houses, smelting works, and miners' villages are evidence of the great importance that the local copper industry once had for Sweden. Falugruva was once the largest copper mine of its time. The site is the most visited tourist attraction in the municipal of Falukommun and in the whole of Dalarna. A small part of the mine was opened to the public as early as 1970. A lift has taken visitors to a shaft 67 meters or 220 feet below ground ever since. On December 8, 1992, ore mining in the mine finally ceased. The Falun mine has been operating since the 7th century and Falurefer, Falured, has had industrial production here since 1764. More than 250 consecutive years without interruption, which is absolutely unique. The mine, which dates back over 1,000 years, in the 17th century accounted for 70% of the Western world's copper production. As the major producer of copper, Sweden exerted a strong influence on the technological, economic, social and political development of Europe. Falumine had a large influence on mining technology across the globe. Many of Europe's greatest buildings, including the Palace of Versailles, were roofed with Falu copper. The mine also helped Sweden become an economic powerhouse in the region. At its peak, 1,000 Swedish workers worked below the surface in the mines. At the end of the day, they would light fires which would burn overnight and help the ore break loose. It meant the deep tunnels were usually hot and dirty creating a challenging environment for workers. They would move forward about one meter each month. And one meter is roughly a yard. The Falun mine is one of Sweden's most important industrial monuments. So let's talk about that great collapse that I mentioned. The huge collapse in 1687 is one of the best-known occurrences in the history of Falumine. Before midsummer, there had already been worrying sounds heard from underground. Then it struck. On Midsummer's Day, the greatest cave-in ever occurred. Above ground, there were three open pits, and their dividing walls between them collapsed. As far down as 300 meters, or 984 feet below ground, rubble from the cave-in was found. Stora Stöten, or the Great Pit, had been formed a mile in circumference, or 1.6 kilometers and 95 meters, or 312 feet deep. The occurrence became known throughout Sweden and on the continent for the fact that 
no single mine worker had lost his life. All of them were off for the traditional Swedish midsummer holiday. Today, one of the best viewpoints of the site is Hyttberget, a slag hill which itself is part of the area's industrial heritage. From Hyttberget you can see the dramatic red gorge of the collapsed mine and the small village of Falun surrounded by woodlands and lakes. So what about this red color? Actually, the history of our beloved Swedish red color begins in the 14th century. Newly built or previously whitewashed stone churches were plastered with red lime paint to make them look like brick. They wanted them to resemble the magnificent Gothic cathedrals. The deception continued when Johan III ordered that the roofs of Stockholm's castle be dyed red with the help of Minebrand from Kopparberget in Falun. The king had whitewashed the Tre Kronor castle, Three Crown Castle, to make it look like a Renaissance palace, and now he wanted to make the roof look like they were made of copper. But copper was expensive even for the king. It was cheaper to color the roof with red pigment mixed with linseed oil, cod liver oil or tar. Red tar soon became a common way of treating the mountain panel on church roofs and bell towers. Then came the 17th century with feverish construction activities. The upstarts of the great power era couldn't get enough of mansions and castles. And of course, they had to have a stately appearance. Ideally, they would look like the newly built knights' houses in Stockholm. But the new nobility rarely had that much money. They had to make do with wood, but provided the nut-timbered mansions with red-colored facades. Since the king was painting his house with red paint, it wasn't long before the noblemen also wanted to paint their houses with red paint. Painting one's house in the 17th century was very exclusive and uncommon and only possible for the wealthiest people. The pigment was mixed with wood tar for both protection and color. Once the nobility painted their houses red, of course the priests and officers also wanted to have red houses. Red log houses were signs of wealth and status. Red brick buildings on the continent were the role model. In the 18th century, it moved on from officers and priests' estates to to prosperous miners' estates and farming estates. At the same time, it became more common for the buildings in the cities to be covered with panels and paint. The city authorities ordered street facades to be painted red before royal visits. Painting the buildings was expensive and usually only the facades facing the streets. Only what could be seen were painted and the backsides 
were still left unpainted. In the 19th century, the farmers began to paint their homes and outbuildings. Of course, the soldiers and crofters also wanted red house. National romanticism swept over the country, and the paint was now beginning to reach the common man. Now the ball was really rolling, and at the beginning of the 20th century, the big own-your-own-home movement and the local heritage movement get underway, and all Swedes were to have the possibility to own their own homes. There, many of the houses were painted a beautiful red. Today, the paint is still used on a large scale and used for everything, from modern architect-designed villas to public buildings, cow sheds, summer cottages and fences. It's absolutely unique that the product has remained modern through the ages and many, many generations. A product and a paint that has colored an entire country and given it a distinctive national character. Now, let's talk a little bit about Falu Rödfärg itself and how it is produced. Since 1764, Falu Rödfärg has been produced in the area around Falu Mine, basically in the same way and with the same recipe as now. Today, the color is used as much by modern architects as by the do-it-yourselfer on the summer cottage. All kinds of buildings, from woodsheds, the manor, the castle, have been painted red throughout cultural history in Sweden. No other color has been relevant in Sweden for 500 years. Going back centuries in time, Falurödfärg has been synonymous with a Swedish ideal. Falurödfärg shall always and forever be modern, progressive and even challenging. So how is the pigment made? The pigment used in Falurofer comes from the ore mining in the Falun mine. The ore from the mine is hand-sorted and stones with too low a copper content are put to the side in what is known as waste heap. Iron oxide, which gives the pigment its red color, is caused by the presence of iron, pyrite, pyrotite, and chalcopyrite in the ore. When iron-bearing minerals decompose, Limonite is formed, which is a yellow or yellowish-brown. The pigment production is divided into a slurring stage and a burning stage. In the slurring stage, the raw material is mixed with water so that the fine decomposed material can be washed away from the stones. The fine grain material is then pumped into a settling basin where it can sink to the bottom over a few months. After this, the clarified water can be pumped away so that only the sediment remains. In order to transform the limonite in the sediment, it must be dried 
and burned. In the drying kiln, all the water disappears at approximately 150 degrees, which is equal to 302 degrees Fahrenheit, and the sediment changes color and begins to go from yellow to red. The material is fed from the drying kiln into the firing kiln, where the pigment's final color will be determined. This is because its color changes when the temperature is increased. At the temperature of 500 degrees Celsius or 932 degrees Fahrenheit, the limonite transforms into iron oxide and becomes light red. At 700 degrees or 1292 degrees Fahrenheit, the color turns to a darker shade and above 950 degrees or 1742 degrees Fahrenheit, a black shade can be expected. And after around 5 to 7 hours in the kiln, the underground pigment is moved into silos from which it is finally fed for grinding and storage. As for the all-important red that helps protect the wood from fungal infestations and harsh weather conditions. On top of that, the pigment from the red color absorbs a large number of UV rays, so the paint lasts for longer. Folleröfärg Original is Sweden's most well-tried house paint, but it has one limitation. It can only be painted on unpainted or distemper-painted wood. The name Falurörfärg is legally protected and may only be used for paint containing pigment from the Falun mine. Falurörfärg is not just a house paint. It is a Swedish cultural history in a tin. What about today? N-C-S. S-5- 040-Y80R. That sounds like something very cryptic, but it is actually the color code for the Swedish color Falu Red, the shade you see on thousands of buildings across the country in Sweden. This particular shade of red is iconic. Shades of Falu Red now coats a variety of Swedish structure, ranging from small homes and barns to large-scale university and apartment buildings. Today, the Falu Red can be seen on everything from old mansions to outbuildings and modern villas in Sweden. There are red-painted heritage buildings and there are new office blocks. The tradition lives on. But today, the pigment has often been replaced by color. Of course, the red pigment will always be available in some way or another. The right shade of red can be produced with any source of iron oxide. And already, lots of synthetic and almost identical variations are on the market. Still, some people swear on the official Falu mine sourced paint, Falu Röfer, which is the largest producer of red paint in Sweden, selling approximately 2 million liters of paint a year, or about 439,938 gallons. It's debatable whether or not 
pigment sourced from the mine makes a true difference. But it is indisputable that the color red will continues to be synonymous with the Swedish countryside, a place often associated with coziness and childhood nostalgia. Today's date, when I publish this episode, is September 13, 2022, which means that yesterday was the official election day in Sweden. And you can't really make a podcast about Sweden and not talk about the election. So in my next episode, I will talk about the electoral system in Sweden and try to explain how it is possible, which is hard to explain for many many Americans, that we have seven or eight different parties in the parliament. I also hope that by then we will have a definite result from the Swedish election and maybe they have decided which parties that will be in the government. If that will not happen before that, I will make sure that I will add that information on the website swedishfika.com as soon as those results are available. And if that is something that you are interested in, make sure you subscribe. If you like my podcast, I would really appreciate if you leave an honest review on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, as we say in Sweden, hey door. can keep up with everything from a Swedish fika on a Swedish or on Facebook as a Swedish fika and you can reach pixelpia at pixelpia at a Swedish fika.com.